Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I am your host, Chris, as usual, and I've got all three of the crew with me this evening. So from left to right, uh, we've got Phil on the buttons. How are you, Phil? Hello. And we've got Rich not on the buttons. I couldn't think of anything else to say. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we've got Jez in the kitchen, maybe. I don't know. Are you in the kitchen, Jez? Uh it's a kind of open living space slash kitchen, yeah. That'll do for me. That's fine with me. Kitchen check. There we go. Right, so everybody's in attendance. That was the most random opening I've ever had, but hey-ho. Right, um, lots to get through this week, uh, starting with a bit of a, uh, a cast back to the, uh, the, the past few days in Europe, if you will. We're going to go all the way back to the Camp Nou, first of all. Uh, Rich, I'm going to come to you for this one to start with. Leon uh, faced Barcelona, and there was a little period of time where you kind of went maybe, just maybe, and there was a little bit of um, a little bit of controversy in terms of, of a decision that was given at one nil, but it ultimately ended in in a bit of a disaster and a five one win for Barcelona, who, in case anyone doesn't know, are quite good. Um, <laughs> what's um, what did you make of the performance overall from OL? Yeah, I don't think we can be in, in in any dispute that Barcelona deserve to go through. That's that's I don't think up for debate. Um, I think Leon perhaps could have played better. I think they they weren't at their best. I think and Dombele aside, um, I think the others were just slightly off the pace. But I think that is that is caveated heavily with you know Lionel Messi is is quite a good footballer. Um, uh, you Not know, he, he, he really was the difference. Um, that controversial decision, it was, it mean, it was the penalty call, Suarez and, and Denier. When you first saw it, you thought, yep, absolute stonewall penalty. Denier has thrown himself into the challenge. Suarez has gone down, clear as anything. And then when you actually see it on replay, you see that Denier has slid in, yes, but has pulled his legs back. And there's no, well, the only contact is Suarez standing on. Denier's leg, which I probably think could have been avoided, but Suarez is Suarez, and of course he goes down theatrically. Theatrically, penalties given. Quite how it wasn't overturned by VAR, I will never know. But there wasn't a penalty, so you know Leon were under the cosh fairly early on once that was that was converted. But I, I can't, I can't, I can't argue with the fact that Barcelona were by far the better team on the day. Um, you know, they always looked like they were in control. There was a brief moment in that when they, after the second half, uh, sort of the opening 20 minutes of the second half, Leon got their goal. Um, and then, yeah, the opening um, uh, 20 minutes of that second half, there was a moment where you thought, if they can nab that second, um, you know, who knows? But they, they failed to. And then, yeah, the, the death really. I mean, 5-1 was perhaps a little harsh, but... Uh, Barcelona just pulled away with with pretty you know, pretty easily in the end. Yeah, yeah, some fair fair kind points of, there. Just just off, sort of just after that first goal, I think Dembele came close and it was a good block from Lenglet and then uh, Lenglet and then obviously Coutinho got Barcelona's second and then we had the situation where Anthony Lopez went off and Gorgolan came came on and there was another one that Suarez put just wide you know, kind of after that happened. So things were looking a bit nervy as the the second half came out. And then there was that 
amazing goal line clearance from Leon just after the restart. So you're thinking, oh God. But then when Tucson scored, it felt like, okay, they've weathered, they've weathered a big storm here. Maybe they can get the second, as Rich was saying. But it turns out they didn't really weather a storm. The storm, the storm was still uh, building and proceeded to rain all over them in the last 15 minutes. So, I, I mean, the score line looks terrible. But I didn't think they played badly. Um, they just perhaps they weren't at their best. But they weren't, you know, played off the park. If you look at the actual playing of it um so it was a kind of a weird weird game but the quality of the shots the quality of the chances Barcelona created I mean that Messi the second Messi goal he just kind of trundled through uh, and and that that was that it was very much a, a difference in quality and we always knew that Leon would have to be at the best of their game and Barca would have to have a bad day for this to work out for them and unfortunately, neither of those things happened. So, yeah, yeah, sort of France out. Yeah, yeah. I, I do just just want to touch on a couple of things that um, I think Rich mentioned as well already. The performance of Tanga and Dombele in particular, and as Phil mentioned, that moment when Gregory Coupe consoled um, Anthony Lopez, who I, I really felt for, he broke his heart when he came off with a sort of head injury. But um, yeah, what, what, what did you sort of make in particular of Endon Bailey's performance? Because he's a he's a player that almost looked to me like he took that opportunity to showcase himself on the biggest stage with the eyes of the world watching because he just looked a, a cut above uh, even Memphis Depay, of all people, who um, certainly didn't look a cut above on the night. I, th- I think, as we discussed last week, this was the ideal sort of shot window for for a few of, of Lyon's players who, <laughs> either because of their talent and performances or because of their big map, um, are sort of angling for moves. Um, oh, well, I was a bit unlucky that it wasn't the starting lineup, but um, and Dombele was the other one that. I mean, it's not a surprise in any way. He sort of represents Lyon that he's one of those players who really does go missing in. in one of the middle league gang games, but really manages to race his game in the big matches. And so, it, in that sense, it wasn't a surprise that he played so well, but it sort of stood out more in this match because so many of the other players disappointed. Um, so, and for some uh, in the Leon hierarchy, they might be a little bit annoyed me that he's actually shown not, not a huge amount of form in the last few weeks and suddenly he's appears for, for that match, but at the same time, it just shows what a, what a quality player he is on his day. Um, if he can find that consistency and maybe it's motivation, and he's, he's possibly a little bit unlucky that, um, you know, in a, in a sort of maybe Ozil style, he, he looks like he doesn't care most of the time, and I'm sure he does. It's just his, his manner. Um, maybe that works against him sometimes. But yeah, he, he was fantastic, and, and the pity is that not enough of his teammates showed up. Um, like I said, oh, I didn't get the chance, but Feke was extremely disappointing, and, and Depay was was awful. And there, there was a he was substituted and was clearly really annoyed about it. And there was, there was a good article in Lecky for a day or two later, sort of criticising his form and his and his play and his hissy fit. And it said that if he if the article opened by by saying Depay was able to give a more realistic assessment of his own performances 
he would have run into Genesio's arms and thanked him for ending his nightmare. <laughs> that was a fantastic line and, and a lot more accurate of the prize and on performance than, than, than what I'm sure the Kai thought. Um, you know, we've said so many times before and keeps mouthing off about what a fantastic player he is and how he deserves to be in one of the huge clubs of Europe. Well, I mean, he's disappointed in, in two legs now. And, um, yeah, I don't think he's done himself any favours or any, any huge chances of a, of a big money move in the summer. Of the, of the players that everyone that was looking at, definitely Mbembele is the one that, that sort of leaves with any ground points and credit. And then, yeah, as you said, Lopez. I mean, for Lyon to have a chance, they needed Barcelona to have a bit of an off day and everything to go their way. And it kind of started off badly for Lyon with the, with the penalty that shouldn't have been given. And then um, Lopez, who'd already made two or three great saves and, and sort of cut, a, cut out of crosses, um, going off concussed. And you know, it turned out it was definitely the right decision, despite him sort of being in tears. Cause, he didn't look um, right, did he? Well, apparently he was sick and, and sort of possibly fainted or didn't faint afterwards and changing them as well. So, mm. um, you know, obviously the health is most important, but you certainly feel that he, could have, he probably would have saved, I think, with Barcelona's third goal. And that was at the point that, that Neil was sort of a little bit back into the match. So, you know, things could have been different. But yeah, the bottom line is that really you know, uh, class, there's not too much stuff. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make you wonder, doesn't it? In the summer, is it, is it another summer of change for for Leon? Because obviously they're not going to win any domestic trophy now. They're in a fight for second, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about two of their other rivals soon. But yeah. mean, there's, there's a hell of a lot less reason for them to undergo any kind of major change than, than PSG and Marseille. Yeah, I'm think I'm wondering about players essentially being sniped from them. You look at sort of Lopez himself is one who, as much as well, he clearly is invested, I can see a club having a look at him. Fala Mendy and Ndombele are. Well, that's Canny Canny operator. Mm. So if they do lose a key player, they will have enough money to buy several more. I'm mm. sure of that. So. Be interesting, be interesting in the summer to see what's what. The fact that they're young as well will undoubtedly um, uh, undoubtedly have scouts all over Europe chasing them, but we shall see. Um, speaking of uh, clubs, French clubs going out of Europe, um, sorry, Rich, but <laughs> it's time to go there. Um, yeah, I, second leg of the Europa League tie, Arsenal going through, overran a 3 0 home victory. Um, I think it would be. I'll try and be diplomatic here. I felt the better side went through over the two legs, yeah. if, mm. if you look at the overall perspective. I think the only thing that really disappointed me about the second leg was that I never really felt, and this is with my French hat on rather than my Arsenal hat on, I never really felt like it was much of a contest in terms of once Arsenal were two up, it was almost like it took Ren half an hour to get their, their minds free. And then... It was just like so many bad decisions, and the offside, the offsides particularly for them would have been frustrating because they they made some really good openings, but it, they seemed to be so concentrated on kicking Arsenal players rather than taking the chances they they created, and it was a a bit of a bad tempered tie. How do you feel looking back on it? I mean, I, I know you're not particularly happy with the VAR situation, and let's be honest, the first goal is offside. But is there a little bit of a what could have been about the whole performance in the end? Yeah, I th- yeah. No, I think you look back on it with a, a tinge of regret if you can, you know, it, 
it's arguably a sign of how far Wren have come, maybe. I don't want to hedge my bets too much there, that you can say going out to Arsenal, you could be a little disappointed. But, yeah, I didn't think the performance was right. Obviously, that very, very early goal, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've I'd spoken before the game how that those first 15 minutes were going to be absolutely crucial for Wren. And, and so it proved, because back bang on 15 minutes, Arsenal were two up. Um, but yeah, they, 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 it was obviously a massive occasion for the, for the players, for, for Stefan as well, especially how inexperienced he is as a head coach. Um, and it just seemed as though it maybe got to them. Um, the, you know, the experienced players who have tasted a bit of European action before, perhaps, um, you know, didn't show up. I don't think Ben Arthur had a good, particularly good game. Um, yeah, it just it, you just felt as though there was an opportunity there. You know, I didn't I didn't necessarily feel as though Ren, apart from a bit like Leon, I suppose there was a, a sort of twenty minute period in the game where Ren had an opportunity. Young Young hit the post. Ben Sabani, although it was offside, hit the post as well. And there was a there was a window there where you thought if they could have nicked a goal, then you know Arsenal perhaps aren't the most mentally strong of all the, the sort of top clubs in England. And you just felt if they could have nicked that goal, there was a, you know, there was a real opportunity. Um, but, but they didn't. Um, I didn't think they necessarily played at their best. Maybe, maybe Stefan gambled a little too early in terms of throwing on, um, you know, sort of a slightly more attacking players. Maybe he could have just reorganised the, uh, you know, the uh, the lineup of the team without necessarily implementing such you know, drastic changes. But it's 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 obviously the wonder of hindsight, isn't it? Um, but you know, you do look back on it and you just think there was an opportunity, there was a window. You know, three-one was obviously a fantastic result from the first leg. You know, it was beyond any Ren fans. Uh, um, uh, expectations of what that would, what the result of that first leg was going to be, but I don't think many were going in thinking, oh, you know, we're we're favourites. You know, this is a walk in the park. This is we were going to go through. There was that slight feeling of, you know, Arsenal have been so strong at home. Um, you know, they'd obviously got that big morale boosting win over Man United only a few days before. Um, and yeah, you just thought if 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 Ren could withstand, you know, withstand that opening salvo, opening fifteen minutes, maybe. But they didn't. Um, they showed some naivety. They showed that there is a gap in quality, and they paid a price. And unfortunately, that you know that that European run, which has been for the most part a great deal of fun and and quite nice to see from a French perspective, has uh, has come to an end. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty balanced. So, what, what what's your overall thoughts, Phil, in terms of the uh, what, what does it sort of mean for French football in terms of this season in Europe? Because it it's been a weird season. We had so much hope with PSG mm-hmm. and and Rennes obviously were you know flying high in this competition, but ultimately they've all gone out at the early earlier stages again. So, is it? Yeah. Is it I mean, I've been updating the France and Europe graphic, and I think what was nice about Rennes was you could see they were trying and taking it seriously and that's something that particularly in the Europa League has always been a bit of a quandary 
um, sort of like Gangon a couple of seasons ago, really went for it and it, that just made it more fun to watch. So I think Rich is right about, I think the fact that the Wren fans, the impression I get is that they took a lot of pride in this run, but also realistic. So they're not going to be bitching about this because they know it was a good run. And if you look at the stats, it was fairly level. This game in possession was level. The shots were 11 to 10. It just, again, it, this was a quality gap that Arsenal made much better chances. And interestingly, you said, Chris, this was a bit of a bad-tempered game. The pass completion rate was down for both teams. It was like both of them were a bit more snarly and uh, a bit less less slick uh, than previously. So I think it's it's been a good run for Wren. Obviously, the, the last round um, uh, was a great result for them. Having that home win against Arsenal is something that's going to be remembered for a long time. And yeah, they should be very proud of, of where they've been. But I think it was kind of, they've leveled out, you know, it's kind of at their level, if you see what I mean. Um, it would have been slightly unfair overall had they gone through rather than Arsenal. I think. Mm. So, you know, I think it's a fair result. And while there's obviously always questions about it, was this an offside, etc., etc. Overall, um, you're looking, I think, at a, what was a very entertaining uh, two-legged tie uh, for the neutral because it must have been absolutely, uh, absolutely nail-biting for fans of the two clubs at various points. Yeah, yeah, I certainly was surprised. We didn't concede from an Arsenal fan because I thought that would be what would happen. Um, and just, just sort of summing up overall this particular run for Ren. I mean, it has been a, a really good run for them, hasn't it? And like Rich said, that first first leg performance, albeit with the aid of that red card, um, probably the better side went through overall, but they can take a lot of credit and particularly their fans as well, I thought were, were brilliant on the night. Yeah, I think looking at the European, the French European campaign as a whole, the, the only two really disappointed were, were Monaco uh, for obvious reasons and, and PSG for even more obvious reasons. Um, you know, Lyon, okay, they could look back and say we only won one match or campaign, but it was a way to Man City, they proved hard to beat, and there's no shame in losing to Barcelona. Um, and Rennes were fantastic. I mean, it, we said before that it was in the, in the group stage, it was weird that they seemed to get the worse results the better they played. But at one point, they should never have qualified um, for got out of the group so they did fantastically to, to come back and do that and then again against Betis having sort of um, blown the lead in the first leg all your money would have been on Betis and they both came back to, to qualify from that one and then um, the first leg against Arsenal was fantastic and really um, a, a great advert not even necessarily for French football, but I think a great effort for, for Red, who are not uh, a tiny club um, and have got a rich history of, of producing very good players, including Arsenal players. And um, the attitude even of a lot of Arsenal players when the draw was made and saying, oh, they were, you know, well, not saying they were Red, but that, but that was the kind of implication. That's the team we've never heard of. So... Uh, so we're, we're going to win this easily, which is disrespectful of, of, of a few 
um, very good Arsenal players of, of past and present and, and a pretty stupid attitude. So I think it's been um, a great thing, obviously, for, for Stefan and the Ren team to, to grow and, and give them some sort of foundations to build on next season. But also, you know, they're, they're now better known and more respected. Not that they didn't deserve it anyway, but now even more so. Um, just having having kind of announced themselves to, to say English fans and, and and shown that they've got the beating of a team like Arsenal. Yeah, I think I think overall, like like you say, it's it's been a good overall look at, at what a team can achieve as well. And, and I think you you look at some of the results in, in particularly in that competition. Um, the um, the the result for was it Slavia Prague who beat Sevilla as well. Mm. There's been quite a few underdog teams, I would say, particularly I, in that particular competition. I mean, I think in, for me, in the same way that the Championship shits on the Premier League as a competition and excitement <laughs> and everything, I think the Europa League personally is in a different class. I mean, it might be because you know, my team would never in a million years qualified for the Champions League. So maybe it's just bitterness, I don't know. But I, every year, the Europa League seems to be a much better, more exciting, more interesting competition than the Champions League. Mm. It's and it's, it's crazy. And maybe, maybe this season is slightly different, but it really is just teams in England that don't take it seriously. Mm. You know, everyone, everyone jokes about the Europa League as this you know, inferior competition, but ultimately it is still... Entry in, yeah, winning it is still entry into the Champions League, and it's and, and a trophy apart from that. Well, yeah, so yeah, it's it, supposed it, to be the point. So it's it seems you know you look at the teams that have won it, um, you know they've won it because they've taken it seriously and they've been rewarded therefore with Champions League football and you know access to all that that brings. So uh, as I say, maybe it's a little different. You look at perhaps the teams that, to a lesser extent, Chelsea, but you look at you know the team that Arsenal put out against Ren. Yeah, there's there's no doubting that was, I mean, Chris, you're the Arsenal fan, so you can put me wrong, but that that felt to me pretty much like the strongest available Arsenal eleven. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, has been ever since we've got through the group stages. It's been strongest all the way. You know, so, even Barty Borisov, it was the same. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's it's a reflection, and and you know, maybe French teams have been guilty of that in the past. You know, I look at the likes of of Bordeaux, especially when they had a, a couple of seasons and. Maybe Saint-Étienne, although there may have been a slight quality issue, but it was it was nice. If I try and look at it from a from a not a just a Rennes fan, but as a as a French football and league fan perspective, it was nice to see a French team take it seriously um, and put out their best players. So I think there's a lesson to be learnt for a lot of other teams. Mm. I think overall, like you say, it's been a it's been a good good run for. I, I would put Leon into that bracket as well. I don't think anyone. Uh, I wouldn't say expected them to come through the group, but certainly not the way they did. And that mm. result against Man City put them on on the map. Um, PSG probably take them out of this this certain discussion. Although up until that second leg, they performed a lot better this year as well. So, well, that that's the frustrating thing, isn't it, with PSG? Is they got yeah. out of by far what has been one of the most difficult groups we've seen in a while. Mm. They put in a terrific performance in Manchester, and then. But that's, that's, an, that's another discussion for another time, I'm sure. Yeah, and you look at the teams left in that Champions League, they would have fancied winning it had they got through as well. That's, that's Although they would have ended up facing Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and all that comes with that. <laughs> um, speaking of PSG, we'll, we'll move on to the weekend's action now, and obviously there is one... 
key game that we're going to focus on more than most, which is La Classique, uh, which was played on Sunday night. And uh, much to my betting frustration aside, it was a, a fairly entertaining game for about 55, 60 minutes. And then <laughs> Mandanda happened. Uh, um, Phil, you chuckled there. 3-1 win for PSG overall. I think they, you know, they were the better side. Um, but it was that Mandanda sending off that killed it because at 1-1, straight after the you know, first half ended, um, Marseille got level through Jamar. And then Mandanda, I just, I, the club legend and all that, but he's, he's got a go. Yeah, legend and is, yeah, one way of putting it. It, yeah. it, was, it was unfortunate because I were holding their own. And you got to half time. There was the, I think the, was it Di Maria actually had a goal ruled out offside by VAR in about 15 minutes. And you could see that Kamara was having trouble coping there. But then Alves went off. Uh, then Munier went off. And it was like, okay, right. They're, they're weakened. We can do something here. And then Kylian Mbappe scores in the 45th minute. I mean, Marseille at this point had been repeatedly rinsed up their right side. And that sounds good. It does. Yeah. So, I mean, it was 1 0 at half time. It felt reasonably level, but it also felt like Owen had been a bit lucky. Um, but, you know, shots and things were fairly level. And then Germain gets the equaliser just after half time and think, right, oh, this is very interesting now. And then things kind of degenerated from there because. Di Maria's goal uh, from a very tight angle on on the right um, kind of curved it round Mandanda. You think, oh, the, that's a glorious finish. And you're also looking at the replays going, should have saved it. Sh- 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 how, how should that have happened? And then, of course, Mandanda gets sent off because he rushes outside the box to stop a PSG break, which looked like it could have been offside anyway. But handled it like God knows how far outside his area and gets sent off. So this obviously leaves uh, Marseille in a bit of a tailspin. Mandanda's off. Pele comes on, uh, who, of course, acquits himself very well uh, at, the, at the end of the day. Uh, but Balotelli has to go off uh, to get Pele on. And then the Di Maria free kick, you can't really argue with. That was just uh, a beautiful... Beautiful strike. And then, of course, there was the penalty in the 93rd minute where Mbappe uh, put the kibosh on uh, Di Maria's hat-trick and and Pele saved it. So it kind of finished up slightly... I mean, I enjoyed watching it. It didn't feel like a hammering. It felt like Marseille acquitted themselves well and dealt reasonably well with Mandanda going off but just after that didn't have the manpower to put anything together to stage a recovery so it was yeah one of those rush of blood to the head things I looking just at the L'Equipe's um uh sort of man of the match top and flop poll that they run I last checked it when there were 47,000 votes for who was the worst player and Mandanda was ahead on 37 uh, mm. Followed by Tovar and Balotelli, uh, the top results were forty-three thousand voters, and eighty-five percent went for Di Maria, who got a note of nine from the keep, which is not 
a regular recurrence, but he very much deserved it. And 3-1 is okay, but you kind of get the impression if Di Maria had been given the chance to get his hat trick, it would have been 4-1 and he would have richly deserved that as well. Mm. I'd hate to see, uh, well, I'd either hate or love to see a documentary where the entire club of Marseille get locked in a room and the only thing in the room is a massive red button saying self-destruct and you've got to place bets on how long it takes before one of them decides to push it that would be quite an interesting one a bit like panic room with a difference um Rich as Phil's touched on it there you, you look at PSG and all the the hype that, around them and their players and often Mbappe and and uh, Neymar are the key two players that, that attract all the attention Angel Di Maria has been sensational this season I mm. think in, in my opinion and, and that game in particular in a week where we've seen Ronaldo well he, he scored a couple of goals he didn't do a lot else but he, he certainly got his team through and we saw Messi score uh, another wonderful hat-trick in a, an exemplary performance do you think Di Maria is going under the radar a bit because it wasn't just his goals on on Sunday but it was the way he, he literally just took that game by the scruff of the neck so many times and every time he ran at that Marseille defence. You could just see the whites of the eyes panic in that, you know, in that way. And I thought he was, he was brilliant in the Champions League as well. Is he a player that, that has stepped up this season again, as it were? Well, I think he did last season as well when, when Neymar was out. Um, you know, he, I think he stepped up then. Um, and then this season, you know, he, I think all season he's played well. When we consider when Neymar was fit, Di Maria's been asked to play in a slightly unusual uh, unusual role, a bit more centrally and a bit deeper, um, and he still played well. But it, yeah, of course, when he he's played in his preferred position, um, you know, out wide with with Neymar obviously out, he's he's shown just what a quality player he is. Um, I still think, unfortunately, you know, it's unfortunate for him that he is still over here anyway. Just remembered for his spell at, at Manchester United, which obviously wasn't the best. Um, and it seems crazy to suggest that a player who moved to PSG for whatever it was, 60-odd million, something like that, can be an under-the-radar player. But it, it, it does feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you say, everybody focuses on Mbappe. Everybody focuses on Neymar. He, he's quietly, he's a balanced player as well. And this is the danger of him. He's got, in the league, he's got nine goals, but also ten assists. Mm. And that puts him up there. You know, we're used to Tovan being up there with 13 and 9, but Pepe uh, is up there with you know the same kind of... It's those kind of players who aren't out-and-out strikers but could set somebody else up at any moment. It's his goals. It make, it, yeah, it just makes them so much more difficult to deal with. So I think he's, he's relishing not having Neymar around. Mm. I did want to just note that I didn't think it was particularly great of Mbappe to have had that penalty. You know? I didn't. I know, I know I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, it will have been decided beforehand and Mbappe takes away. That's fine. You're winning the 3-1 game. and it's injury time and he's on a hat-trick exactly. giving the damn yeah. ball. I don't think Tuchel would have had a, a problem with that. I think, I think Mbappe could probably afford the to miss out on that second goal bonus. <laughs> um, so I just, I just felt it... You know, it's the latest in a couple of incidents with Mbappe where you think, you know, I hope this isn't going to be something we talk about increasingly is this, you know, the sort of murkier side of his game. You know, we're an amazing player and we want to be talking about that. 
Um, but there have been one or two incidents, and this is this is another one that will go under the radar because PSG won three one. But it would have just it wouldn't have taken a lot, as we said, it wouldn't have taken a lot for him to say, "Yeah, I am the penalty taker." But you know what, Angel, have your hat trick. There you go. Mm. Um, and I thought there were a couple of things like that. I mean, there were a couple of dives as well. And even the, the the way he celebrated, if that's the word, the goal. I didn't think mm. like that as well. I see, I did. I actually, I think he was facing the Tribune Artoi, which had had um, on Nublipa and a strike uh, in the in the, the the early minutes. I think possibly the goal celebration was uh, warranted. But well, I don't think so. They were absolutely they were a disgrace against Man United, and I think the fans have got, are entitled to make a point. Yeah. And I don't think that the his reaction was a kind of. You know what? You've got a point. Look, this is me starting to put things right. It, to yeah. me, I interpreted it a lot more like, "Who the hell do you think you are?" I'm Mbappe. Kind of mm. yeah, it, it could have been more mature, definitely. Mm. I just, I just feel like with with Mbappe, it's, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because um, there's a, a running joke. If for listeners who may not be in the UK. Um, there's a pundit on Sky Television called Graham Souness, who I'm sure people will be very familiar with, um, whoever, whatever clubs you follow. And he has a habit of bringing up Paul Pogba as everything that's wrong with the modern day professional, even when talking about anything that doesn't involve Paul Pogba. Um, see memes on Twitter for that. But there is a bit of a this thing that's, that's associated with Mbappe, which Pogba has as well, in that he's a very fashionable and stylish and highly talked about pro. Um, and other than Messi and Ronaldo, who, let's be fair, also have their digs at, at arrogance as well, it, it's kind of one of those, it's isn't it? It, it? Well, to a degree, I think there is a mm. bit. Yeah, for, for the for the hipster community, I think Messi's known as a bit of a, for want of a better phrase, a bit of a shithouse off the pitch. Yeah. Um, and whereas Ronaldo, it's, it's all very much arrogance on the pitch. But is mm. is there a danger that, you know, Mbappe. It's just such a it's such a fine line between arrogance and confidence, isn't there? And well, you wanna... a top-flight footballer has to back themselves, mm. and he is still only twenty, so that's not always going to be, as we say, as mature as it could be. Not everyone's going to be in the, Golo Kante, there's, there's been yeah, there's been flashes. I mean, with the transfer from from Monaco, some of the things just. There's always been a slightly petulant air every now and again. I think that's the amount of um, focus and pressure he's under. I kind of think fair enough, as long as it doesn't get uh, to you know higher levels. But mm. yeah, I think if if as Joe says, they were abysmal against Man U, and you can imagine that several of those players feel bad about that. And <laughs> there's, but there's different ways of feeling bad about it. You can be angry at you, you can be angry at other people, you can be angry at the world, whatever. Some of those banners, it, maybe that was a little, you know, pinprick that, that got to him. I don't know. For, for all of PSG's faults, um, their fans, and I'm not talking about... <laughs> Uh, the ones that Rich and I are constantly running battles with, so hadn't heard of PSG seven years ago. But the proper fans, and even even people like Steve McManaman, who you know, couldn't see a thing right with PSG. Please don't events, mention that man. Even, even he sort of credited fans. They do back their team. They are de- 
And I, you know, I'm not saying just PSG in France, but they do back their team. And for them Some of them had to wait stumbling. years to get back into the stadium and came back. Um, yeah. And, you know, actually, you also hear at times in France, it certainly happens a lot with Marseille during bad runs. Um, I think it happened with Rennes two or three years ago during a bad run. You know, fans turning up in their droves at, at um, training, training grounds and accosting the players or, you know, Cars being, players, cars being set on fire and things like that. A couple of reasonably funny banners. There was one that said um, Dijon nil PSG four, but beware of the second leg. For example, a couple of humorous banners are a pretty decent, good humoured way of, of dealing with what was an absolute disgrace on the pitch. So yeah, I'm not sure did it, did it, it was a good look on Mbappe. No, just just quickly before we draw a line under the, this this classic, it should be said, Jez, that the performance was, you know, was good from from PSG. Uh, Marseille didn't help themselves, but I just want to just want to touch on on Marseille with you a second. What what do you kind of feel? Where, where are they at the moment? I mean, it has to be said it's their first defeat in six. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really expected them to go and necessarily win this game. They have been going up the table. The Balotelli signing looks to be a good one. But I still look at that squad and think in the summer there's, there has to be a lot mm. more to be done to it. Not so much in terms of Ligue 1 competition because they may only be two or three players off of challenging for second, which, let's be honest, everyone is in Ligue 1 at the moment. But to really compete, whether that be Europa League or Champions League, where they want to be, Champions Project, haha. It just seems to me like they need so much more star quality in that in that squad. Is that fair, or am I being harsh? I think that um... solidity. Just a, sorry, apart from everything else, I mean they started with Saka at left wing, uh, left back rather, whereas he's a right back because they nominally had Saar at right back when he's kind of a right winger, and they kind of had Kamara over at right back covering. So it's like nobody was playing in the right place. Just have it sent back occasionally as well because they've got these. You know, it's sort of issues with um, uh, the squad depth, and Lopez didn't cover himself in glory. Wrong kind of game for him, um, mm-hmm. given the the need for physicality. So it's not just about they do definitely need you know a better winger or striker because your man bless him is not that, but they still need more solidity at the back end. The you know, we've been talking about Mandanda being getting past his prime for a while, and that is only going to get worse. So it isn't just a case of bringing in a star name. They just need general reinforcements as well, it appears. What would you do? Well, you said earlier that um, I don't think Lyon necessarily needs to make changes. I think PSG and Marseille need to make wholesale changes. PSG probably won't, and it's coming out today that Danny Alves is probably going to be offered another year, which I think is an absolute joke. I think Marseille possibly will make will make the big changes this summer. And it's interesting that a lot of the Marseille fans' reactions to the match was was actually kind of more angry than the, the sort of neutral reaction. They felt that PSG were, you know, if ever a time, if ever there was a time that PSG were there for the taking. Mm. Um, even though they were at home, it was this. It was after the the European, the, the Champions League joke. It was after the, you know, with the fans being on their backs. It was with two injuries in the first half. And although 
you know, it, it probably turns on, on a couple of mistakes and a sending off. I think a lot of Marseille fans felt that their yeah. team should have been doing more, should have shown more belief, should have shown less respect. Um, and I think, I think the team is, this year I think there's sort of real kind of green shoots and, and potential there, but I think there needs to be a big overhaul. I think build the team around like Sanson and Lopez. I'm, I'm still not 100% convinced about Lopez, actually. He's away from home, I think it's a complete waste of space. But they are two talented players in the midfield. Build something around them. Galeta Saar, I think, is you know, considering how badly he started this season. He's looking like a, a really good centre-half now. Kamara, I thought, was a little bit lucky to get away with just one foot in the weekend. But generally, considering how overworked he was, he didn't look too overwhelmed by it. You need to get rid of the... I don't know, Deadwood's the right word. You need to get rid of Mondanda. Rene Malville is this, this super fan I was lucky enough to interview last week. He was complaining about, he thought it was, he was furious that Marseille brought back Mondondo and Payet and thought it was just a really bad tone to set. Mm. But he, he said, you know, bringing these two players back, no one else wanted them and they come back to, to kind of see off their pre-retirement. And I think both of them have proved that that pretty much is what they're doing. So yeah, Payet, quite rightly, I think, has been dropped. Mondondo should have been. Um, they need to go. Struman, I think, has added absolutely nothing. Gustavo, I think, has been great, but you know, maybe just because of age, maybe it's time to, to move him on as well. Um, I do think there's some quality there. I think Tovan will leave, but considering that, yet again, in a big match, he did absolutely nothing. If Marseille want to take the next step, I don't think it would be a big loss. I think there's a lot of there's a decent foundation there and there's a lot of room for improvement. And as, as Rich has been saying a lot for the last year or so, if they can have a canny transfer window, I really think they could do big things. Mm. Well, I, I do. I slightly disagree on Strootman just because I think he's a player that, that does give or does offer quite a lot when he's in, when he's sort of at his peak. Um, but, but we'll see. He is fast as peak, isn't he? Mm. I, I, it's a difficult one because at Roma, he, he did show. I can't that... think of a match where he stood out for Marseille. Where, no. where I've watched him and said, you know what, fair enough. Uh, it was a risk, but it was a risk worth taking. Mm. I just wonder perhaps we play a better players around him, we might see the best of him. But I, I guess that's one for. One for the um, sort of the the future, as it were. We, we'll never see, we'll never know until we actually see what what is or who he's played with, who he's combined with. But, um, but yeah, I think that's that's fair fair comment. And overall, PSG were were superior despite the uh, numerical advantage come the end. Um, we will just touch on uh, the relegation scrap before we run down the rest of the results. Um, there's probably four results maybe five that kind of flag up this weekend um in terms of sort of what what these games mean in terms of that, that relegation scrap um i look in particular at the result for Khan, um who lost at home to st etienne five nil um yeah hamuma had a, a field day there with a goal and two assists berich nordine gazali and vada with the, the late fifth gangon beating dijon one nil Ludovic Blas with a penalty with four minutes to go. How big could that goal end up being? 
Um, we also saw Monaco, rather surprisingly, I thought, go away and win at Lille with a 90th minute goal from Carlos Vinicius. Um, and Nice and Toulouse drawing 1-1. Um, um, with Messi the Eagle back to her old tricks pre-match. If you haven't seen the footage of that, quite funny. Uh, they got one of the Eagles that circles the stadium before kickoff, except she has a bit of a previous and not doing exactly what she's told and at this point kind of ended up sitting on a barrier and then hopping into a steward's area and just kind of glaring at people until being <laughs> ushered away. Uh, this is the eagle that incidentally copped a stadium ban from the LFP a couple of seasons ago for bad behaviour. So yes. uh, good to see her back. Naughty eagle. I should also chuck in um, on the end's result as well because they're very much in the mix. They uh, drew 2-2 um, albeit away from home against, against Ram which is no disgrace. Rich, where do you see things going into this international break in terms of the clubs that are down there? Because that win for Gangon feels massive. Um, equally, the result for Khan, not just a 5-0 defeat, but at home uh, against the Sanetian side who've been mixtured form-wise of late, that feels massive as they go bottom. And Dijon, we've discussed all season, are just struggling to, to find that free flow that they had last year. There's a gap now of seven points between Gangon and Amiens. So how high do you think this relegation battle goes? And uh, where do you feel it, it sits as we go into this break? Uh, it, for me, it's just between these three teams, you know, mm-hmm. Gangon, Cart and, uh, and Dijon. I think the gap, um, I feel the gap is a bit too big, I think, to drag too many other teams in. Uh, I mean, that Gangon win uh, at home to Dijon was absolutely huge. You know, I did feel before that game, whoever came of that came out of that without a win was going down. Um, Gangon, Gangon got it. Huge win. You know, you have to think now, all it, all it takes is one win and confidence is restored. All of a sudden the team, you know, oh, this is what it feels like to win. This is the kind of performance we need to put in to get a win. And it's that kind of then, you know, momentum then starts to build. So you'd have to fancy their chances of escaping the the, the bottom two places. Um, can't just look absolutely woeful. Um, I mean, it really did feel as though it was almost a thrown game, that they had no interest in, in putting in a performance against Saint-Étienne and actually were focusing on you know, they've got other games coming up. You know, they're, they're away at, at Nîmes, for example. They're at home to Angers. Then they have an absolutely enormous doubleheader um, at the end of April, beginning of May, where they're at home to Dijon, then away to Gangon in consecutive weeks. Mm. Uh, by then, of course, it, you know, there's a potential that they, they could be stranded, you know, if, if they don't pick up points. Um, and, you know, if Gangon's, um, you know, experience... Uh, you know, Gorvanek has got uh, got the know-how to get him out of this. Whereas, you know, you look at um, you know, you look at the likes of 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 Khan, who are under a you know an inexperienced manager at this level, and you look at the players, and you just think, I, I just don't see it happening. I really don't see it happening. And Dijon, you know, as as entertaining as they can be. And as, as good as they were last season, it's all gone yeah. horribly, horribly wrong this season. They really they can't bag a goal. I mean, looking at looking at their 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 um their fixtures, they've scored one in what four, five, six. They've scored two goals in eight games in the league. Um, 
you know, they've always had a fairly porous defence, but they've always made up for it by having an attack that would bag them the goals to, to, to get the odd win and keep them out of trouble. You know, they've still got that porous defence, but the attack has disappeared completely. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, for me, it's looking very much likely, uh, for starters, it's these three, I think. And in terms of who bags those, those two automatic relegation spots, I can't really see it being any, any teams other than Kant and, and Dijon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the onus really is on Gangon now to, to, to put in the performances, net the results that maybe, maybe could drag other teams in if, if their form doesn't pick up either. I mean, looking at the, the, the Con game, um, Saint-Étienne had 14 shots to two, but the XG, according to Elf Degenalf, was 2.1 for Saint-Étienne, who scored five goals, which tells you something about Con's defence, and 0.02 for Con. That's as close to zero as you can get without shooting at all. So I mean, they, they look woeful. I mean, one team that did themselves a bit of a favour at the weekend, just making sure that they keep that gap going down to the relegation zone was Amiens, who were away at Angers, where they do nil-nil with a penalty save from Regis Gertner uh, late on. That match was slightly perturbed at the beginning by get this, Nantes fans turning up to protest a travel ban for their match against Reims on Sunday, um, which Reims won 1-0. It very confusing, but involved a lot of flares and shouting, and then they all basically fucked off after about 20 minutes, leaving everybody looking at each other going, who's paying the fine for this then? Because they weren't Either home or away. Anyway, it was. Well, all wasn't very... that wasn't that one wasn't that one of the banners that the Nantes fans were displaying? Yes, was... yes. Who is going to pay the fine for this? Was indeed one of their own own banners, um, and that was on a, a multiplex, which also saw Neen drawing two, coming back from two 0 down, at home to Strasbourg to win two two, which featured the wonderful moment of VAR ruling out a goal for Strasbourg, giving Neem a free kick from which they scored. And then they got the winner with a blatant handball, uh, giving them a penalty in injury time. So stuff is still moving on. We've still got Nîmes Strasbourg up there, mid mid table, looking upwards, and Rouse uh, with that win over Nantes are oh, still sixth. And so having an absolutely cracking season, frankly. The, the only other one I wanted to touch on with yourself, Jez, is, is Nantes. Um, just so, something is worrying me about them a little bit in that obviously they've had a tough time you know, for obvious reasons this season. If you look at their fixtures, they've got Lille, uh, albeit at home. They've got Toulouse away, which given Toulouse are not doing so well themselves, has an interesting sort of bounce back in terms of uh, whoever gets the result from that one. Then it's Lyon and PSG again, both at home, but tough fixtures. Um, and they've also got to go, go away to Marseille away to Nice, although that might not be as difficult as it sounds, away to Montpellier, and then Strasbourg and, and Dijon in amongst that. He, any concerns over them dropping down, or are you kind of with Rich in that it's probably just those three? Yeah, I think it's just those three. I think they've got enough of a gap there. You know, they're not going to get, they're not necessarily going to get many more points this season, but I can't see enough teams below them overtaking them so I don't think there's anything to worry about for this year but it's 
kind of sad seeing them continually struggle and although there's mitigating circumstances to a point this year um they're even without that they were disappointing uh with Salah and when he was basically sort of keeping them going um they've been disappointing since um they've got I think it's yet another case of a of a person making all the footballing decisions who actually knows very little about football and it's, it's sad to see such a, a great club who've got such a tradition of playing great football um, languishing and just basically at best treading water and just you know not adding anything really to, to Liga and just yeah I think there needs to be a lot of change there as well. Mm, just seem to be sort of hanging around almost there's a few clubs like that this season, um, which is, I guess, could all change in the summer or may not, depending on who comes up or who goes down. Um, we also saw a couple of other results, of course, over the course of the uh, the weekend. Um, mentioned obviously Gangob and, and Nantes. Uh, Gangob and Nantes. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong section of fixtures here. I've lost my dates. There we go. Um, we mentioned the, the cam results. We mentioned the Anjou and Amiens result. Um, Neeson to lose drawing one all the previous night as well. Um, we also had Bordeaux and Ren drawing one all, largely forgettable game, although a 90th minute equaliser rich for Niang, lovely job. Um, and uh, we also... Sosa's first game as well. Yes, I was going to say that. What, did you did you see much change? Or is it a bit early to judge, I suppose, given... Uh, way too early to judge because I still think that team is a bit rotten. Um, yeah. I think he needs a transfer window, see how he gets backed in that. Um, yeah. For any 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 changes, but you know it was it was arguably better. Although Ren helped them because we were dreadful. <laughs> At least you got a nice kit. Um, and we also saw um, the other results: uh, Leon beating Montpellier by three goals to two in what turned out to be quite an entertaining game. Mister Dembele probably the best player on the pitch in that particular game. I'd say um, disorganised was a. <laughs> it was a bit, wasn't it? A good description. We, that also included um, Fakir. Uh, wanging in penalty over the bar, mm. um, Montpellier having uh, a Mole goal ruled out for offside, which looked slightly peculiar, and um, uh, Suleiman Kamara uh, continuing his super sub ways by getting um, a consolation goal in the 91st minute, having come on a sub three minutes earlier. He's the first player in Liga, I believe, from Opta, who has scored in 15 consecutive seasons. Cool. And had a goal dis- disallowed as well. This, that, this, this, that's this in, in the French league. Yeah, in this century. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And there was a goal disallowed at, at two at two one, wasn't there? I think it was an equaliser disallowed um, in terms of VR and the game as well. So it was kind of all happening. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, a good win for Leon. Given the win I'm just I'm been. just cross because I had bets on it being five one in either way and more than five point five goals. So I was very close on one of those bets. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah, not far away at all. Um, but that um, brings us to the end of the Liga action for the time being, because we're now into the uh, the, the lovely world of international football. Um, Jez, the squad was was announced for France. There's been a couple of changes to it since. So uh, do you want to bring people up to date with who's dropped out, who's come in, and, and what your overall thoughts are going into these two games? Uh, the only change I know of is um, Martial dropping out and Lamar replacing him. You there's are been right, another yeah. one. Okay. No, no, you're right. I, for some reason, I thought there'd been two, but just checking there was only one. Um, in terms of the squad, I mean, again, first of all, 
in in Deschamps we trust. He's you know he he he's the reigning World Cup winning coach. It's it's hard to question too much of what he's done, particularly because the the question marks that we'd have are the kind of question marks that we've had in the past, and he's he's been borne out. But there are some strange ones there. What the hell is Mondonda still doing there? Why why is I know that there are issues at left back, and although he said it wasn't a sort of because there was no one left. Kazawa being there is slightly strange. I thought Sidibi had a decent game against Lille, but that was after the after the the squad was was picked, and I thought I thought at the time Sidibi was a strange decision. Um, Zuma, you know, I wonder if there's in some positions there's a little bit of politics going on. Um, a lot of people there are rumours that. I mean, I think it's well established that Laporte isn't there for sort of personality reasons rather than quality of play reasons. And there's there's some rumours that, that he and Griezmann particularly don't get on. Um, I wonder if Longlet isn't there because it's got the potential to undermine MTT with them both being at the same club. Because on form, I really don't see how, how Longlet misses out to Zuma. Um, well, I mean, there's also the, the right foot, left foot thing. Um, I think, sort of backtracking from what I said, I think I think Deschamps clearly has said to himself that Ntiti and Kimpembe are the, are the sort of first and second choice left-footed centre-backs. But on this season's form, I really don't think that Kimpembe deserves to, to be in the squad right now. Um, not too many arguments with the midfield. Even Sissoko always felt like a step back, but he has been reasonably decent form this season. And then up front, again, I think it's an embarrassment of riches, but there's a few players who can really feel hard done by. You know, Haller and Dembele, maybe for their time will probably come, but Lacazette and Ben Yedder, for example, the form they've been in this year, I really think it's, they, they've got to wonder what, you know, what, what do they need to do to, to get their place in the squad. And Deschamps said the right things, so we're monitoring them, and it could have just as easily been them, but it rarely is. And... Um, yeah, I, I mean, Giroud, I love him. We all love him. He's never let France down. He responded with a with a hat-trick and an assist on Thursday night. Um, you know, he's always there. He always puts in a performance for club and country when he gets the chance. But the fact is that he hasn't really been given much of a chance this year. So, um, for the first time ever, I wouldn't have had complaints had he actually made way for, for one of those two. Um, so there's, there are a few question marks there. I think the defensive ones, the, the fullback ones especially, just points to the fact that they're still problem positions, although I really think Lala should have been in there ahead of Sidibe. Just but overall, that. I think it's just, it, it's still overall, hopefully a positive thing, that it shows that you know there's room for what are still, for the very large part of very high quality set of players, and there's still a lot of high quality players missing out. Mm. I think, Jez, you, you, you'll know this because I think you watched and translated the, the press conference, but didn't Deschamps also, to give hope to the likes of Lacazette and Ben to say that you know it's looking likely that some of these players won't be around come June next year? Yeah, he was like, they're going to die. <laughs> well, he kind of, they kind of, there were a couple of questions that sort of said, are you... He impliedly said, are you not taking this sort of loyalty and gratitude for the World Cup winners a little bit too far? And he said, you know, he's, he's not doing it based on gratitude. He's seeing it on as what he sees as the strongest 
squad with the strongest players right now. Again, in terms of uh, spirit within the squad as well as just performances. But yeah, he said that's no guarantee whatsoever they're still going to be there in a year's time. And he used the example of the last Euro. And I think that this is something that people have been criticising Deschamps for for years, that he, he's too loyal, he keeps the same players. Yet, I think it was, I can't remember if there were 13 changes from the Euro squad to the World Cup squad, or only 13 of the squad remained. But either way, that that's a big turnover over two years. So it kind of doesn't bear out what a lot of people say about him and it shows that he, he is willing to make changes so and uh, you know to be fair these players maybe they haven't been given many chances Lacazette's been given a few Benyeza are only one but they are all sort of there or thereabouts and at some point if they maintain their form you can't you can't entirely ignore them. Hmm. It's, it, it is a, I guess it's a tough, tough job that somebody's got to do it picking from that that field of players. Who who are the oppositions, Phil, that France are playing in this break? This is qualifiers, isn't it, for the Euros? Moldova and Iceland, and I know nothing about either squad at all. They're both playing. Uh, both games are on Sky in the UK. We've found out pre-pod as well. So, I, I think it's fair to say probably two games we expect France to win. Um, certainly you would expect them to but as with all these games they've got to turn up um, so well, they, they, they only was it it was pre-World Cup wasn't it they had Iceland at home yeah. and they only just scraped last a minute. ball wasn't it in that mm-hmm. game yeah Zimbabwe's last minute wasn't, that, wasn't it wasn't there a post-World Cup where they only just scraped 2-1 wins you might be right yeah they definitely they definitely played them in in the white kit, I think it was. I vaguely remember. They played. They they drew it. I think it was. It was played at. Your, your uh, sense memory is coming into play here. Chris. Yes, bizarre, isn't it? I vaguely remember one with wasn't wasn't it Iceland where Kimpembe tried to make out he'd been fouled in the corner. Yeah, that was that was the that was the pre World Cup one in in oh, Gangon okay. where Kimpembe actually had an abysmal game. He was like yeah. at full. I think for both goals, mm. he seed a penalty for one and then got fouled for the other. Or claimed he got fouled for the other. Um, seems, uh, yeah, that's, that was a tool. It just seems like uh, sort of it, it. It sounds it sounds almost dare I say arrogant to sort of say that there's not a lot of interest for these games. But is it sort of that classic? If they lose one of them, it'll suddenly get a lot more. Interest. Well, it's it's, oh, yeah. Fra- it's France in qualifying for a major tournament. It won't exactly. be easy and it won't be fun. That's exactly my point. It's almost like in last sets of Euros <laughs> or a World Cup, no one really gives a monkeys. But I don't think that's just France. I think that's across the board. I mean, uh, looking down my timeline every week um, or every time there's an international break, the first thing you'll see from Arsenal fans and I'm sure other fans of other teams oh god here we go again another international break because they just seem to come at the wrong times um, and, and at the dullest times especially for English clubs where you've just had a weekend of FA Cup games so you probably haven't had a, a game unless you're like a, like Jez a, a Brighton follower or Wolves or Watford and then all of a sudden you haven't got a game for two weeks and it's almost like yeah unless it's a I think it's because it's not a summer tournament we get excited about international games because it's football on in the summer. Um, but it, it's sort of hard to motivate yourself. Um, and then when you've got this other, God knows what tournament going on in the summer as well this year. The the World Cup? No, the what's it called? The the one that nobody gave a monkey's about. Nation's Cup. They're amazing. That's the one. Um, so, I, yeah, I suppose it's just one of those, isn't it? It's kind of try and get two good results and then move back into the... Uh, move back into the um, 
the league action. So we will uh, we'll cover it, of course, uh, cover both games on next week's show. So we'll be across those and we'll discuss in depth uh, what goes on, if anything goes on, of course. The, uh, I think the, the, the ominous sign for countries other than France, I, I won't go through it in full, is just have a glance at the, the under-21 yes, squad point. that was picked. And it's been a good squad. It's been a, you know, a, a very good um, sort of age group um, for the last 18 months, really. But that latest, that latest squad that's been announced for a couple of friendly games prior to... Uh, the summer's European Championships is is rather a, a good squad, especially for an under twenty one side. So, um, any um, any names for listeners who might not be familiar with the talent coming through? Well, there's there's hope there's hope for the future of fullbacks because you've got the likes of Balo Torre, who seems to be settling in quite nicely at Monaco. Um, Nordi Mukiele, we all remember him. Oh. He was he was drafted back in. Um, because there was an injury picked up to Alakouche, um the uh, Neem, Neem, isn't it? Yeah, Neem, yep. right back. Um, you know, midfield, you've got the likes of Gwenduzi, you've got the likes of Hussein Awar, um, you know, Jonathan Bamboo's having a good season with Lille. And then up front, you've got Moussa Dembele, who is in terrific form. Um, Martin Terrier, who always seems to perform when he's given the chance. Uh, and Jonathan Ikone, another one of those profiting at, at, at Lille. So it's a, it is a squad throughout that has a lot of talent. And uh, I think full credit has to go to Sylvain Rippon, the coach, who's um, who's managed to, to sort of keep their heads in the right place, whereas perhaps other previous coaches or previous players have, have struggled with that. So yeah. fingers crossed that this leads to a, a, another excellent summer for France. Florian legend, Sylvain Ripoll. Um, yes, and Matteo Caduzzi, I think, was uh, quite close to getting the full call from what, if you have led to believe what's going on as well. So another one uh, on the rise. We shall see. Um, just before we wrap up the show, I just wanted to touch on one other quick thing, and I'll just leave you all to free for all this. Um, does Adrian Rabio still have, have a career based upon the last few weeks? And I say that with... A slight degree of um, disappointment, maybe, because for, for those who don't know, he's, from, from what we can gather now, going to be or has been suspended by PSG, not even training with the youths anymore, uh, because he was out partying the night PSG went out to Manchester United. Which I, which, I, which I absolutely cannot blame him for. I will no, back, no, nor, nor I me. Will, I will back him on that one. The fact they've suspended him after banishing him from the squad... He's quite a staff, isn't for it? For me, is an absolute joke. And, and uh, he's, he's a player that they could have... Like, I'm not having a go at Leandro Paredes because I, I do think he's, he's got a bit about him. But he's a player they didn't need to sign. But, but I look at this from both angles and I think like, okay, I only manage a Sunday league team. But if I had somebody with, with the, the attitude that seemingly uh, Rabiot and, and, well, particularly his mother seem to have... I'm not sure I'd want them in the squad. And I look at it and I think they were talking about Barcelona. I don't think Barnett would be interested at this point with his, his reputation. Would they? I mean, he's, he's killing his career. He, he, needs, it's, he needs to ditch his mum. He does. Like, literally. <laughs> to put it bluntly. I mean, I think, I think I've seen, there's, a, there's an interview she's given to Lequeep where she's claiming that he's being held prisoner and she's not helping him. She, she, 
you know, you hope she's got his best interests at heart, being his mother, but it, it doesn't seem like it through what seems to be happening. But it's been a mess from every, all parties involved. No one escapes from this looking good. No. Um, you know, it's, it's a shame because we know he can be a good player. Um, you know, it was only, what, a couple of seasons ago? He was PSG's, one of PSG's best players, especially in Europe, in the big games. Mm. It's been completely mismanaged by PSG. It's been completely taken advantage of uh, and sort of used and abused by, by Rabiot and his mum. And we're left in a position now where PSG are missing an excellent player. An excellent player is wasting his career. And who, I genuinely don't know where he's going to end up. Someone's going to have to take a bit of a, a gamble on him, but I don't see it being those elite clubs that he perhaps could have could have had access to had he you know had his head in the right place marseille <laughs> uh yeah no i'm completely with you i'm not serious of course but yeah it just seems like such a i can never decide how i feel about him one minute i look at him i think yeah there's a real quality player other times i look at him and think is he as good as he thinks he is and yeah i just thought something i wanted to to touch on um but hey-ho. Uh, just a brief, any other business as well? Uh, some games in the youth and ladies games this yes. week? Yes, if you don't like international breaks, the Women's Champions League is at the quarterfinal stage on Wednesday and Thursday this week, which features the two French teams are still in it. Lyon are playing Wolfsburg on Wednesday. Wolfsburg, of course, who they beat 4-1 uh, in last year's final. And on Thursday... PSG are at Chelsea uh, looking for uh, looking to progress again other teams there, Barca are playing LSK and Slavia Praga playing Bayern Barcelona have obviously uh, were at Atletico Madrid at the weekend, the world record gate for women's uh, league match um, in that uh, we've also had the Gambardella which is at the quarterfinal round um, Montpellier beat Lyon Toulouse beat Tour, Saint-Étienne beat Lille and Bordeaux beat Lens, setting up a semi-final roundup of Saint-Étienne, Bordeaux and Toulouse-Montpellier, which kind of feels a bit vintage, you know? That's mm. nice. Uh, also in the U- UEFA Youth League round of 16, um, OL, we talked about last week, got past Ajax on penalties and they will face Barcelona in the quarterfinal of that draw. Uh, Montpellier went out 2-1 uh, to Chelsea um, with a good performance from goalkeeper Amina Ishalalan, but Chelsea had a bit too much goals for them for Familio Castillo and McCormack, putting them through to the quarterfinals. So lots of other competitions coming to a head as well. Um, hopefully at least the um, Chelsea PSG game will be available um, on UK TV um, because uh, both of those uh, both of those games involving the French French teams should be crackers. We saw Chelsea do very well uh, last year, um, knocking out Montpellier. And Leon and Wolfsburg, of course, have met about five times and this constitutes an absolute feud in women's football, which is, is great to watch. So there should be some other good fixtures around that. Good stuff. There we go. So uh, tune into those, as you say, that'll be on UK TV. Um, it's a shame they don't show more of the youth games as well, but um, I hear that's a rant for another day. Sometimes if you dig around and go to 
YouTube and the Federation websites you can find. Yeah. Find Euro, Eurosport have been showing some of the UEFA uh, youth, uh, Euro youth. Yeah. BT do as well, don't they? Yeah. The early stages of the Champions League youth qualifiers they, they show, but generally only if it's uh, against the UK team for obvious reasons, I suppose, but or British team. But hey ho. Um, and uh, and we should also say well done, Jez, for uh, knocking out Millwall at the weekend for your other side. Brighton. I'm sure that's a victory for football that we can all get behind. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much it for us for this week in terms of our French football roundup. We'll be back, of course, next week where we will talk about those two French games in uh, in midweek, Thursday and Monday. Uh, sorry, Friday and Monday, aren't they? Those two. Yes. We'll, we'll have those to discuss this time. On some questions, I think next week because we may not have a huge amount to talk about. So, if there's anything you've uh, got a burning question you want to ask any of the crew, we already uh, have one. We've got a pin in. We do, oh, yes, indeed, we do. So that one is top of our list. If there's anything else you want to ask any of us uh, personally about our views or about teams in general, get them in to us, um, and we will do our very best to have a chat about them then um you can find us at french ft weekly on twitter it's probably the best place to get us if you wish to do so um right i think that is all for this week then so thank you very much for tuning in thank you to my my crew uh, thank you very much jez thank you thank you very much phil thank you and thank you very much rich we're still friends aren't we uh, I think we can classify ourselves as friends still, yes. That's all right then. Uh, there we go. Peace and harmony amongst the FFW crew. So many thanks for tuning in as always uh, and enjoy your French international football until next week. We'll speak to you then.